Welcome to the People of Animal Health podcast. The host of our podcast is Stacy Purcell. Stacy is the leading executive recruiter for the animal health and veterinary industries. She's the founder of Therio Partners and the Vet Recruiter. Stacy has placed more professionals in key positions within the animal health and veterinary industries than any executive search professional. And along the way, Stacy has built relationships with some outstanding people who are doing incredible things to make a difference. The People of Animal Health podcast features industry leaders and trailblazers who have made a significant impact or are making an impact in the animal health and veterinary industries. Stacy chats with them to learn more about their lives, their careers, and the unique and interesting things that they have done to contribute to the animal health or veterinary industries. She is here to share their stories with you. Now here's the host of our podcast, Stacy Purcell. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the People of Animal Health podcast. On today's show, we are talking with Dr. Jim Lloyd. Dr. Lloyd has had quite an amazing career. Dr. Lloyd is currently CEO and Senior Consultant for Animal Health Economics. Previously, he was Dean of the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine. Prior to that, he was Professor and Associate Dean at Michigan State University's College of Veterinary Medicine. Dr. Lloyd has authored or co-authored 188 scientific publications and has delivered 365 scientific presentations and workshops. With a focus on economics and strategy in veterinary medicine and animal health, Dr. Lloyd draws on his unique blend of executive leadership experience, expertise in economic and business analysis. He has a broad-based industry knowledge and extensive professional network. He works with executive leaders in the animal health industry and allied organizations to identify, develop, and implement key strategic initiatives and alliances. Welcome on to the People of Animal Health podcast, Jim. Thank you, Stacy. It's nice to be here. Well, we're so glad to have you on here, Jim. And Jim, you have had tremendous success in your career. But I would like to start off at the bottom, in the very beginning of your career. What was your life like growing up, and where did you grow up, Jim? Well, Stacy, I, I grew up in the, the center of the lower peninsula of Michigan, uh, in a rural community, a uh, small town, went to a small high school, 75 people in my graduating class, uh, farming community, lots of outdoors uh, um, and, you know, I guess I would also say that uh, it was kind of a sheltered uh, uh, community to grow up, didn't really have much engagement with the outside world. Um, and But it was, uh, you know, it, it gave me a, a great place to start. When did you first figure out what you wanted to do professionally? You know, Stacy, that's a great question, and uh, the short answer is I'm still working on it. Right? I uh, I've uh, always followed my passion uh, throughout my career, and, and I'm, I'm guessing we'll talk a little more about that uh, uh, as we get through this uh, this discussion. Um, but you know, it it, uh, it it started out with an interest in science, an interest in animals, interest in the environment. And it just, uh, you know, just unfolded from there. And so I, I still, uh, new things come up that I have interest in and I, and I just, uh, with an opportunity, just follow those. So I'm st still kind of evolving that, figuring out what I want to be when I grow up. Well, tell us the story of your veterinary career. I'd like to start at the beginning. After you graduated from veterinary school, uh, tell us how you got started in your career. 
I'll start even before that, Stacy. You know, I, I uh, my career uh, really started with an interest in animals. I I start out as a as an undergraduate major in wildlife biology, actually. Uh, and as I uh, completed, I got close to completion my undergraduate training. I I needed to decide what I was going to do for a, for a job then, uh, because uh, it was it was time to be uh, be out of out of uh, out of college and, and make a living. Uh, there weren't too many jobs at that point in in uh, in my life uh, in wildlife biology, so I had to decide to go to graduate school or I had an interest in veterinary medical school as well. So I decided uh, with the veterinary path. Uh, as I was in veterinary school, uh, Stacy, I became interested in business as well and took an elective uh, course taught by Dr. Jack Judy in, in practice management. And so as I was uh, working through veterinary school, um, I also became uh, more and more interested in, in uh, intrigued by the business aspects of the so uh, when I when I finished veterinary school, I, I decided that I was going to go ahead and practice. I entered a mixed practice, but I wanted to also uh, pursue an MBA uh, to to uh, again follow this interest, this passion I had uh, that I identified for business. Um, as I was uh, practicing in a in a two person practice and uh, trying to go to school two nights a week and uh, had a, a small family, a family of small children at the time, uh, it really became a, a question of, gee, how can I get all this done at one time? So I, I, I had an opportunity to, to go back to the university and, uh, and, and be an instructor at the university, but really dive into the MBA. Along the course of uh, the MBA training, uh, uh, Stacy, I found that the MBA program that I was enrolled in was um, really focused on, on corporate America. And, and I was more interested in, in agriculture coming from a farm background and a large animal focus in, in veterinary medicine um, and, and family-run businesses as well with the veterinary practice and, and the farm. So I gravitated toward the agricultural economics uh, program and department and uh, also became interested in research. So instead of uh, the MBA, uh, which I, I started and, and had the core courses from the MBA, I actually uh, changed my major emphasis on agricultural economics and research and did a PhD in, in ag economics. Uh, when I finished that, Stacy, uh, the, 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 the question came up, well, gee, what are you gonna do now? Well, I, I, had never, I didn't really have an interest in academic career. I wanted to get back out in what I would have, at the time have considered the real world. But uh, somebody mentioned to me, boy, if you ever want to go uh, in academia and be an academic, you need to do that first because it's difficult to go out and, and then come back. So I uh, took the advice and uh, had an opportunity to, to join the faculty at Michigan State University. And, uh, you know, the short story is that 25 years later, uh, I uh, retired and moved to Florida. Uh, but it, it isn't quite as, as simple as that. I, I uh, grew through my career at Michigan State, up through different uh, positions and leadership roles. And at the end of uh, uh, 25 years, I, I actually uh, um, was successful in, in uh, getting a, uh, the job as dean at the University of Florida. And so um, while it was uh, 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 it makes for an interesting story, I guess, 25 years and, and, and lots of uh, of, uh, of activity, different activities along the way and growing and growing in, in leadership uh, opportunities. 
but then then to uh, to move to Florida, where I was dean uh, for for six years at the University of Florida. At the end of that six years, uh, Stacy, a, a, a family situation brought me back to Michigan. Um, I, I'm officially again retired from the University of Florida, but now I'm uh, back in Michigan and and uh, and started this consulting career where I want to leverage the the the, the experience, the, uh, the the expertise. Um, and, and, and also the professional network I've built over the years. And so that's what I'm doing today. And just, uh, just kind of looking for opportunities to stay engaged, to make a difference, and, and again, follow my passion. So, Jim, when did you feel like you were truly beginning to gain traction with your career? Well, again, because I've, uh, Stacy, because I've always uh just followed my passion. I, I guess I've, I've felt I had had traction from the start, right? From the, uh, the, the, the very uh, interesting things I learned about wildlife biology, wildlife management, ecosystem uh, uh, health, uh, all, the way, uh, all the way along. I always felt that I was uh, gaining traction and, 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 one, uh, and, and one achievement, one uh, program led me to another. And so I, I, you know, I guess I've, I've always felt that, that, that I've been on the move and had traction and, and, been, uh, and been moving forward. Well, I get asked this question frequently from veterinarians who are in clinical practice. They ask me, how do you find opportunities or how do you get into roles outside of veterinary clinical practice? So, Jim, I'd like to ask you that question. You know, what would you say to someone that wants, wants to know how do you get into other roles outside of veterinary clinical practice? Well, for me, Stacy, it started with my uh, interest in business, and I just uh, pursued that uh, part-time when I was in veterinary school, uh, a little more part-time uh, while I was practicing, uh, a, a little greater emphasis on that as I, uh, as I uh, worked through graduate school, went back to the university, worked through graduate school. But, but uh, the, the business uh, background and training helped me to see opportunities and to pursue those opportunities. Uh, in addition, somewhere early, relatively early in my career, I became interested in leadership. Interested in leadership, leadership as a discipline, and so you know that, that was. A, I did some some leadership uh, development workshops. I uh, started uh, reading the leadership literature, and, th- and that really also, again, uh, it was a passion of mine. It was it was an interest of mine, and so I, I just kind of dove into it uh, to the extent that, that time and opportunities presented themselves. And, um, and, and so that those, uh, those, the, the business and the leadership really led me to the, the non-career opportunities. So I guess I would say, you know, whatever it is that you're interested in, uh, just, just to, to take every opportunity to pursue that, to learn more about it, uh, to, to train yourself uh, uh, in those areas and, and, and opportunities will, will show up. That is so true. That's good advice. Take every opportunity uh, that you can along the way. Uh, Jim, what has been the most surprising thing to you during your career in the veterinary profession? Well, Stacey, there have been a couple of things I, uh, that, that have surprised me. One is, you, you know, I had no, when I, when I came into veterinary medicine, I thought, well, I've, I've got a career option as being a practitioner. I can either do large animal or small animal. Uh, boy, was I wrong. I mean, th- those are certainly career options, but there are so many different career opportunities uh, that within practice, for sure, 
uh, the nuanced opportunities that I, that I never seen, never anticipated that were there, but the other uh, uh, tremendous uh, uh, array of opportunities that exist outside of practice as well, whether it's academic or whether it's industry or whether it's government, uh, whether it's research, whether it's in a leadership role. And, you know, it, and sometimes it isn't uh, directly related to veterinary medicine. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I, I've had a couple of graduate students have gone on uh, and the training they've had as a veterinarian and then other graduate uh, training, other work that they've done uh, broadens their horizons a bit, but they use the problem solving skills uh, and the network and the understanding of uh, critical thinking that they build through uh, veterinary medicine uh, to actually to, to, to identify and land and be successful in other career options. So really the, the thing that's surprising is the opportunity. But I want to quickly add to that, that, you know, the thing that's been a little bit uh, disappointing for me along the way is, is in, in, in increasingly aware of this over the last uh, 10 or 15 years, is that not everyone has uh, equal opportunity per, to pursue those opportunities, uh, the, or those different career pathways, Stacey. And, and so, you know, whether even at the start, uh, the opportunity to, to apply to veterinary school, the opportunity uh, not, isn't always equal for to gain experiences and, 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 and to be successful in the admissions process. Um, and so, you know, I guess I'm concerned about that. And, and I think that's a great, one of the greatest opportunities for us as we move forward in the future to, to really think about um, equity, inclusion, and diversity. So that, that probably builds to some other things that we'll talk about. Yes, and you mentioned a minute ago, you were talking about how opportunity exists outside of the veterinary profession. I've seen that. You know, Jim, I once talked to the uh, head of uh, um, regulatory affairs for Coca-Cola, um, who was a veterinarian, and I once talked to um, an executive at Campbell Soup, who was in charge of quality control, who was a veterinarian. So there are opportunities that exist for veterinarians outside of the veterinary profession. Um, Jim, I'm curious, how have you seen the profession uh, change over the years? Well, clearly, uh, Stacy, there's been just an enormous amount of change scientifically. If you think about, uh, you know, what, what, what we knew uh, or thought we knew uh, way back when I was in veterinary school to where we are today, I mean, the, the science has just been tremendous and it's exciting, you know, uh, the, the science and, and the things that we can do uh, clinically, the things that we can do, uh, you know, in, in, in preventing and, and managing and treating disease um, and, and maintaining health, I think is just amazing. Um, the, the other things, key, key things that have changed, uh, you know, the, the relationship uh, that we have with our pets has changed tremendously as well, and the human-animal bond, and that, that is, has made a, a tremendous change in, in, in veterinary medicine in the, in the demand for our services on the companion animal side. Um, on the, the livestock and the large animal side, uh, an, another uh, just just a really a, a huge shift uh, since I started in veterinary medicine, uh, especially in the livestock side, a focus on population medicine and population health uh, and production medicine, all in the context of of, uh, of animal welfare and increasing awareness of the welfare of animals and the importance of that along the way. Of course, uh, the other major shifts in the profession, uh, you know, are the, the, the gender distribution uh, of veterinarians has, has seen uh, a tremendous shift. And, and more recently, I think uh, the change that I'm seeing uh, is that we're increasingly recognizing the importance of diversity 
and at the, the, the critical lack of diversity that, we, that we're facing in the profession, how important it's going to be for us in the future to address that issue. But I think that's uh, been, been a, a, a substantial change over the last several years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'd love for you to share with the listeners about the kinds of projects that you're up to, and I'm sure you're going to mention uh, some of the things that you've um, just been talking about. So talk about some of the projects that you're uh, involved with today, Jim. Well, yeah, there's quite an array, um, almost all related to, uh, I, I think probably all uh, related to, to the workforce, to the veterinary medical workforce uh, um, I'll start with, uh, you know, I mentioned already diversity, equity, inclusion. I'm, uh, I'm uh, serving as co-chair of the Michigan Veterinary Medical Association's uh, DEI committee. Uh, and in that work, we're just trying to, to increase awareness of the importance of diversity, trying to uh, uh, diversify the profession, trying to, to think about ways uh, to, to, uh, to be more inclusive in the profession, what we do. Uh, and so I think that that's is really an important piece of work that, uh, that, that again provides a foundation for a lot of the other things I do. I've, I'm, I've been working with the uh, American Association of, of Veterinary Medical Colleges a bit as well, Stacy. Working with them, my former colleagues, the the, the current deans uh, uh, of the colleges of veterinary medicine, but work on a, a number of uh, workforce related projects there, all the way from admissions and admissions criterion and, and analyzing uh, who, um, who gets uh, admissions offers and who shows up in the admissions pool actually, in the applicant pool, who gets admissions offers, uh, and, and is there, a, is there a, 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 an equal equitable distribution there? Um, and then uh, also thinking about the workforce from a broader perspective. We were um, working with AAVMC on a number of initiatives related to the healthcare team uh, and whether and, and how uh, veteran nursing and technicians uh, uh, fit into that team and how we uh, identify the competencies necessary for success uh, in, in participating in and leading uh, that healthcare team. I've recently done a, an analysis. I'm an economist, uh, after all, analysis of the veterinary workforce, and and have uh, have written a report on 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 the shortage that we've identified in veterinary on veter, in veterinarians, a shortage of veterinarians, a shortage of veterinary nurses, technicians, a shortage of veterinary specialists, and uh, have uh, have suggested some some potential routes forward for uh, addressing those shortages. Again, mostly. Um, mostly related to, to the workforce things, uh, Stacy, um, uh, but it, it is quite a variety of different topics. Yeah, the, the labor shortage in the veterinary profession is uh, uh, one of the biggest challenges uh, that the profession uh, faces right now, Jim, and I know you're, you're right in the middle of that. Yeah, I think that they're just, uh, it's an incredible time, an incredible time to be a veterinarian and uh, the, the opportunities are, are, uh, are, are, are almost boundless, but we really uh, are, are facing some challenges as well from a workforce standpoint. Mm-hmm. So Jim, I'm curious uh, what your typical day looks like. So uh, starting with what, what time do you wake up in the morning? What is your morning routine like and uh, what is a typical day like for you these days? 
Well, Stacey, you know, I, I tend to be, uh, my, my energy is in afternoon and evening. And so mornings uh, start when, when, I, when my alarm goes off. And so it depends on what time I, you ask what time I, I, I wake up in the morning, I wake up whatever time I happen to set my alarm. And, uh, you know, on weekends, that, that's a different story, but uh, work days, it's usually about six o'clock. Um, uh, and so, you know, and, and from there, the day, uh, the, the, the day takes shape uh, it, it, a little less structured now that I'm working as a consultant and, and have a, a, a lot of variety from day to day and the tasks that I'm working on, the meetings that I have and the, and the, and the projects that I'm involved in. Um, so, but I, but I, you know, get rolling in the morning. The, the first thing I do is, is uh, look at my calendar for the day. What do I have scheduled? Um, then look at my uh, my to do list and, and see you know what's uh, on the top of my to do list priority wise uh, time wise uh, and then I, I kind of plan out my day. Well, I know that successful people have daily habits that that help them to achieve success. Jim, what are a few of your daily habits that you believe have allowed you to be successful? Casey, I, I try to find some time or, or make some time uh, to, to, to spend a, a, little, um, a, a little energy on reflection. Um, you know, Covey, uh, the, the, the Covey system says that we ought, to be, we ought to be taking some time to reflect at the end of the day to, to write out the task for the next day and at the end of the month to reflect on the month and what do you got done and, and what you're going to do next month. I'm not quite that structured. But boy, I've really found that that reflection time uh, is important. And whether I get a chance to do it every day or not, but just a reflection uh, on, on where you are, what, what do you have going on, uh, what, you know, what are the priorities? Uh, and, and in fact, it's important for me uh, to actually list those out so that I can see them, uh, a, a visual connection, and, and then prioritize as well, thinking about those and how they align with the uh, uh, with my my own uh, my own uh, interests, my own values, uh, in and uh, in in how they were, uh, you know, in, in in to organize my day and my time that way. What mentor has made the biggest impact on your career, Jim? Well, well Stacy, I don't think that I can select a single mentor. You know, uh, mentoring has been critical for me all the way from. Uh, my, my humble beginnings in North Central Michigan and my parents, uh, high school mentors, college mentors, extended family, employers, uh, employers have been critically in, in influential, important uh, for my career and career development. Um, and so uh, many mentors, uh, as, as we'd say, too numerous to count. And then probably if I started listing them out, I'd forget somebody that was important. I guess so professionally, if I think about that in my career there, uh, I've, I've had a couple. One uh, is, uh, you know, to start with was, was um, the, my dean while I was in, in veterinary school was, was uh, Dean John Welser. Uh, dean Welser had a tremendous impact on, on my career and just helping to, 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 to guide me through and help me to see choices and make choices early on in my career and, and how to blend my interests in, in business and and, and practice and, 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 uh, and move forward and get back into the university into a formal training system. Once I got back to university, uh, probably my, one of my most influential mentors was a uh, department chair, uh, Dr. Fred Dirksen. He, uh, Fred taught me about leadership, uh, a lot about leadership, but taught me really about academia and how to be successful as an academic. And, and that was key. 
also but uh, at the university, Dr. Lonnie King. Lonnie's one, the first one that uh, Dean, he was my dean while I was uh, at Michigan State. He, uh, he, he really got me started in leadership as a discipline. He had enough faith in me to send me off to a, a leadership development uh, a program, week-long experience at the Center for Creative Leadership. And, and that, was, uh, that was transformative for me, uh, Stacy, in my career. And so Dr. King would go on that list. And then, and then probably recently, uh, more recently, the last 10, uh, 15 years or so, uh, I think Ms. Ms. Pat Lowry has been extremely important. Pat is, is helpful, has been influential, has been a leader uh, in diversity, equity, inclusion, and veterinary medicine. Uh, and, and Pat has, has been an extremely uh, helpful, valuable, uh, invaluable, I'll say, uh, mentor and friend in, in just helping me to understand the importance of, of, uh, uh, of understanding myself, understanding uh, um, the, the, the strength that comes from diversity and, and, and actually helping me, helping me to navigate that space and, 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 to, and to try and make a difference there as well. And Jim, what advice would you give the younger version of yourself? Well, I guess in, in reflecting, uh, Stacey, I, I, in, it probably won't surprise you. I'm, I'm going to use the passion word again. I, you know, I think it's important, and, and I, would just, I would just reassure myself uh, if I could talk to, to myself, uh, my younger self, just to, to, to follow my passions and my interests. I think, uh, I think for all of us, uh, we're more effective at what we do. We have more energy for what we do and probably are better at what we do if we're, if we're doing things that we're really passionate about and really interested in. So I would, I, I would advise my younger self uh, to, 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 to not hesitate to follow my interests uh, and to follow those and look for opportunities to, to, uh, to, uh, to, to make a difference in those. The other thing, though, again, I, I would say probably one thing, if I could have earlier on in my career understood the importance of in uh, the strength of diversity and the diversity of opinions, diversity of experiences, uh, diversity of, of perspectives, you know, the strengths that come from that, uh, there are some challenges as well. Uh, but I come from a, a place of, of incredible privilege, uh, recognizing that now, Stacy. Uh, in, in the early in my career, I think I had opportunities uh, uh, to, to be an ally at, at times, to, to leverage my privilege, uh, to enhance uh, the, 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 the inclusiveness uh, of, of things I worked on, enhance the, uh, the broaden the opinion, richer ideas. So probably I would uh, advise myself uh, early on to, to take a look uh, at, uh, at who I am, uh, where I come from, uh, but also to, to understand the importance of diversity and inclusion. Jim, we find that most successful people tend to have idiosyncrasies that are actually their superpowers. What idiosyncrasy do you have? I don't know that I have uh, any 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 superpowers at all, Stacy. Uh, I think that the things that that really help me are you've heard me mention the, the self reflection. Uh, I think that's one that if I can do that and try to be objective, uh, sometimes it it really takes courage uh, to do that self reflection and to get uh, others' uh, feedback, input, perspectives on on where your strengths lie. 
uh, where your blind spots might be and, and where you have opportunities for improvement. So I think that that's one thing that, that really, uh, to me, has is, is been helpful for me as, as I move through, through the career. The other thing that I would say is is just to to staying true to your to your values. Uh, core values, uh, I think, are critical, and and to stay those again, stay true to those. Sometimes uh, it takes courage to do that. Frequently, it takes courage to do that. Make make some difficult choices. You know, uh, whether it's your your core uh, values of of integrity, honesty, uh, you know, those sorts of things. Or for me, it's also been a core value of, of family and the importance of family and, uh, and maintaining in some fashion a work-life balance. It's, it's, it's not easy to do. Sometimes uh, it gets way out of balance, uh, but to, to maintain that as a central tenant to, to who I am and, and, and what's important to me has been has been. Such good advice. I've heard people along the way say you can't have success in both, you know, your family and your, uh, your career, you know, I, I disagree. I think you can have, you know, both a successful family and a successful career. And like you said, it's all about um, balance and priorities. And I uh, love what you said about um, courage and uh, sticking to your values. So important and, and great advice, Jim. Um, what message or principle uh, do you wish you could teach everyone? Well, again, I, I think it's uh, uh, stay true to yourself. Uh, you know, identify those uh, things that are important to you in, in life, those those core values, and and to 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 follow follow your passions. The only thing I would say, I think, is uh, a principle is that there is strength in collaboration. Uh, that that none of us have all the answers ourselves. It's important to to seek advice, input. Uh, um, perspectives of others and, and, and to have, again, the, I'll use the diversity word again, to, to have that diverse uh, perspective, uh, again, adds, adds strength to whatever we do. So if, there, if there's a message or principle, you know, stay true to your passions and your values, but also recognize that there's strength in diversity and strength in collaboration. Jim, some people have a key book that they say has really helped them uh, in their life or their career. Do you have a key book in your life that has impacted you the most? If so, I'd love to hear that story. Well, Stacy, again, you know, I, I, I can't put my finger on just one, but if I, as I reflect here, you know, I, I, I'm, I might say <laughs> jokingly that, that uh, it, it was uh, econometric models and economic forecasts, but, but certainly that's not it. Uh, uh, seriously, uh, probably as I think about it and reflect, the, the, there are two books that, that were pretty instrumental uh, as, as I started to, to, to work through my career. One was um, the old standby uh, Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. I think that's uh, invaluable. And, and the things and the lessons that uh, that Covey learned, uh, uh, teaches us in there, it, I mean, can, can be applied not just to your personal life, but to your business life as well. Uh, to, to, he teaches us to begin with the end in mind. Everything is built twice, created twice, he says. You envision it first in your mind, and then you go ahead and build it. And whether that's a team that you build, or whether it's a, a physical structure, or a practice, or, or, or a program, I, I think that, that that's key to begin with the end in mind. And, and then, you know, the, the prioritization process, and, and to 
for me, it's been extremely valuable to think about the, the quadrants that, that Covey refers to and, and to spend as much time in quadrant two as I can. And sometimes we get uh, caught up with the urgent and important and, and, and at the expense of the important. Uh, urgentism is, is critical to be addressed, but we've got to save time uh, for important as well. And those important things, again, to, to identify those in alignment with your values. So they're all, all the way through uh, the, the seven habits to the end, uh, to, to, to remember uh, to, to, uh, to, to have time for yourself to, to regenerate and, and, and ho however you do that, but just to, to spend time for yourself to, 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 to recharge. About the same time that I was reading Covey, I also read a book uh, by Hiram Smith, The Ten Natural Laws of Successful uh, Time and Life Management. And, and again, just to organize my day, organize my thoughts, there's some things in there that, that maybe I didn't quite agree with, but it was, it was uh, it, again, between the, the two books, those were quite transformative for me in, in, in moving on. And Stacey, as I uh, think about uh, beyond that, a couple of key books for me as I think about business and, and, and organizations and leadership. Uh, you know, Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth, uh, was, was pretty instrumental. You know, the, the Collins books, uh, uh, Built to Last, Good to Great, I think were, were extremely important. And then there's a whole host of uh, leadership books out there. And, and you just start with those and, and dig in and, and just start reading. But for me, they, they've all been important, but I think that's probably the the, the top of my list, the, those key books, uh, uh, oldies but goodies at this point in, in time, but uh, ha have been very influential for me. Well, you've got the mic. What is one thing that you want to share with our listeners of the People of Animal Health podcast before you drop the mic today, Jim? Yes, Stacy. I would say that you know this has been an incredible career for me. Will continue to be for for some time to come, if uh, God willing. Uh, but I, I'll say that it's it's it, it just there's never been a, a a better time to be involved in, in the veterinary medical profession. And and you know I think about that from all the way across from the 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 in in the profession those that are in, in a receptionist role, a veterinary assistant role, veterinary nurse technician role. Uh, veterinarians, uh, you know, the, just to be involved in the profession, the, the opportunities that are here, the difference that we are able to make as a profession, as an industry, in people's lives, the difference that we make in people's lives. I, I came to veterinary medicine because I was interested in animals, and it didn't take me long to realize that this is a people profession, uh, that, that, that whether it's, it's uh, every leash, uh, every lead, lead shank uh, has, a, has a person on the other end, uh, every uh, every herd of livestock has a, as an owner and manager. This is really about uh, about uh, animals and, and the important thing they bring to our lives, but uh, the important difference we can make in in uh, people's lives uh, through our animals. So uh, the, the 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 confluence, I'll say, of science and scientific uh, discovery uh, and the recognition of what we can bring to uh, to to, uh, to 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 the to to the uh, uh, to the world and far as far as uh, improve relationships with our animals, I think is is uh, is really what's what's uh, gives us the opportunity for the future. Well, there's never been a better time to be a veterinarian. Opportunity abounds, and 
Jim, you've made a big impact on the veterinary profession, and I thank you for being a guest on the People of Animal Health podcast today. Thank you, Stacey. It's been a great opportunity, and and, uh, thank you for everything that you're doing uh, for veterinary medicine as well. 